this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Timothy Roberts, an orthopedic spine surgeon at the New York Spine Institute. Dr. Roberts, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. Spine is such a dynamic field and so many exciting things happening right now. But before we dive into my broader questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um... I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon at the New York Spine Institute, uh, where I've been, I'm in my fifth year of practice here. Um, I'm from Long Island, New York, not too far from here. Um, I trained uh, at the Tufts University School of Medicine, went to Albany uh, Med for my orthopedic training, and then I did combined orthopedic and neurosurgery fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic. Wow, that's amazing. And it, it sounds like you would have had some great experiences, both at your, um, you know, obviously during medical school, but then at your fellowship as well. I know Cleveland Clinic um, is definitely a, a well-respected institution. Uh, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, uh, very grateful, very lucky to, to have gone there. Um, I think they are the pioneers, certainly, in um, combining orthopedic and neurosurgical training for their spine fellows, uh, which was something I think really um Something I really benefited from in terms of seeing different perspectives on uh, spine treatment, as well as getting a very well-rounded education. Um, so, yeah, I'm extremely grateful to be a part of their organization. Absolutely fantastic. And now at um, the the New York Spine Institute, you know, for your practice in particular, what are some of the things that you're thinking about right now? Um, what are the headwinds, I guess, that you have your eye on uh, just, you know, coming down the pipe? I know there's a lot, um, a lot of happening in healthcare and it's a very dynamic space, but um, I just love to hear kind of the high level overview and perspective you have on as you look ahead, um, what that means for you being in an independent spine practice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I, I think um, the headwinds are, are, are issues that I think a lot of us are facing, especially in private practice, which is increasing pressure from hospital systems, decreasing physician uh, reimbursements for Medicare, you know, and, and, and increasing uh, difficulty with insurance companies, peer-to-peers, and getting approvals. I think those are really the biggest headwinds that are frustrating for our practice day-to-day. But I am optimistic. I do think that the future for spine surgery, for providing quality and effective care for patients, is still very bright. You know, the spine uh, is a a very uh, complex and um, um, multifaceted, multidisciplinary uh, anatomical part of the body that really requires care from a number of different specialists, from pain management to to spine surgery, uh, to primary care, and then some of the gatekeepers. So I think, you know, working together uh, with different uh, dis- different disciplines, having multidisciplinary approaches to the spine is really going to be uh, exciting in the future to help improve spine care for both, you know, people with, a, with an acutely herniated disc that maybe just need some physical therapy to people who have uh, severe, um, you know, chronic deformities. 
Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense and is definitely helpful to know and understand. And, you know, that kind of multidisciplinary approach, I I know it hasn't been necessarily typical at a lot of um, organizations or in a lot of communities. So as you're moving in that direction, what do you see as kind of working well in forging that relationship and and making that transformation in, in, you know, what I guess advice would you give for people who are really very much in the early stages of trying to figure out how to take a multidisciplinary approach to spine? Yeah, well, I think education, um, uh, physician education from, again, anywhere from the uh, from primary care doctors, internal medicine doctors, ER doctors who may first encounter these patients to, to spine surgeons who are usually the, uh, you know, further down the line in terms of the, uh, the treatment spectrum. Um, I think a lot of the old teachings about, you know, bed rest or opioids and things like that as first-line treatments for, for uh, spine injuries, um, you know, again, are very seldom practiced now. And I think people are getting the idea that you want to treat these things with anti-inflammatories, physical therapy, keep patients moving and, and limber, as opposed to, um, you know, locking them away in, in bed uh, for several weeks. So I think, um, you know, improving education, improving communication between physicians as essential. I think a lot of the, you know, I think as our electronic medical record systems uh, continue to, to improve and evolve generally for the better, although I'm sure there are quirks along the way, uh, but, you know, that's made it easier to communicate with, with physicians, at least in my, in my experience, um, you know, get heads up from a pain management doctor that patient has failed X and Y and is maybe looking at a surgery. And then vice versa, I can get in touch with pain management or physical therapy and say, hey, can you please work on this or that? Because, um, you know, I don't think a surgery is necessary for this. Got it. That's great advice and perspective, especially thinking about, you know, how a lot of the different um, the field has evolved in many different respects to, you know, have previously been more siloed. And so it's great to hear that the movement and energy around being more multidisciplinary um, is happening. So thanks for for that insight and perspective. Now, when you're looking at um, spine in particular, how do you see the field growing and evolving over the next few years, whether it's, you know, from a continued advancement standpoint, technology, or other issues that you really see coming to the forefront, making a difference in the way spine and orthopedic care is delivered in the future? Yeah, I think, as I said, this future, I think, is is overall quite bright. I think technology plays a, a major role in spine surgery. I mean, I think the standard of care is dramatically shifting uh, for the average patient toward more minimally invasive procedures. I think, um, I'm, you know, I'm personally a big fan of the minimally invasive T-lift versus open procedures in the correct patients. I think um, a lot of technologies like uh, um, certainly intraoperative navigation, uh, robotics, bandable cages, um, some of the uh, sonics, for example, makes a harmonic scalpel that I think uh, dramatically reduces blood loss and improves uh, bone graft harvest. I think all these technologies are making these procedures uh, less invasive uh, with faster recoveries, um, less narcotics, shorter hospital stay, et cetera. So I think technology plays a large role. I would also say that I think understanding appropriate indications and understanding expectations uh, from both the provider and patient perspective is important. And I think that's something that people are coming to understand more and more. Uh, Certainly sagittal alignment is a a big topic that's really flourished over the past 10 years or so. Um, It's something that in my 
training I feel like I encountered relatively late and didn't really understand uh, the importance of it. And now, you know, five, seven years later or so, it seems to be, um, you know, very much a standard of care and things that everybody is paying attention to. So I think um, both techniques and technology, as well as understanding indications, are really the, the, the biggest key to, to providing more successful, um, more efficient and economical spine care. I love it. I, I think it's definitely great to look at, um, you know, how you can provide that type of care that patients need, like you mentioned, having great quality, but also thinking about the cost perspective and, and making sure it's manageable along those lines. And um, definitely, I know there's a lot of work happening, both on the technology side, as you mentioned, as well as just the approach and being able to access the spine differently and, and think about it differently than you ever have in the past. So, it, you know, I, I'm just very excited to see um, how those both come together and really make spine care um, much more, you know, uh, patient friendly and um, ideally able to help many more patients than you have been in the past. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I think before we wrap up our conversation here, I'm wondering, how are you thinking about growth? What are some of the best opportunities from your perspective, and especially as an independent um, practicing physician in an independent group, you know, where do you really see some of the big opportunities for growth and development um, in the future? Yeah, so I, I think some of the newer technologies are allowing us to um, – to grow and perhaps uh, do procedures when previously there weren't great alternatives. Um, probably the first thing that comes to mind are uh, cervical disc replacements, which uh, have come a long way in the past 10 years or so. Um, I think that technology there, as well as understanding the indications, has come a long way. I've found them to be extremely effective in patients, um, you know, younger patients, more active patients in whom an ACDF may not be entirely appropriate, um, but they still have severe, you know, unrelenting radiculopathy with, you know, weakness, and they're not getting any better with conservative care. I think, you know, those are great options. Um, I, I certainly think that's a that's a field for growth that is, you know, providing a, a meaningful and effective procedure where pre previously there wasn't one for that kind of patient. I think also as, as surgery becomes more and more minimally invasive and um, more effective at, at managing larger deformities, even with um, minimally invasive techniques. I think you also can take a, a large patient population that was maybe too old or too sick, um, or just not having the, the conditioning to be able to recover from a large open traditional procedure. And you know maybe this person is now a, a surgical candidate, um, and you can provide the, the surgery relatively safely and effectively. Um, get them back on their feet uh, when before, um, you know, that would just be uh, injections or physical therapy and there wouldn't be a great solution. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense and definitely, um, you know, is exciting to know that there are more treatments, more therapies that are really coming down the pipe. And I'm just really impressed by um, all of the different avenues that patients now have in order to seek treatment and being able to work with surgeons and clinicians like yourself to develop a treatment plan. Are you hearing anything from patients um, along those lines? Are you seeing any trends uh, in terms of their preferences or how you're connecting with them and really guiding them through the care process um, that might have been different from five years ago? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think more and more patients are coming in, uh, you know, knowing uh, about minimally invasive techniques. Um, I've had substantial growth in the number of patients that have asked about disc replacements as opposed to fusions. 
Um, I think one other, th you know, I mean, be diplomatic here, let's say, but I know, um, you know, five, 10 years ago, the Laser Spine Institute was very active advertising nationwide and um, maybe uh, setting patient expectations uh, a little high in terms of what could be done with a minimal uh, procedure. Uh, I find patients asking for that kind of uh, procedure far less and less. So I think, again, you know, as, as people get more and more educated as to what's out there, um, things are improving. That's great to hear. And definitely, um, you know, important to elevate the the great treatments and outcomes that you're getting. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a fantastic conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. It's my pleasure. Have a great afternoon. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.